Shalom Alechem, peace be upon you, and welcome back to the broadcast. I'm Sean, your host. The website is www.scriptureandprophecy.com. That's where you go to find the archives, and that's where you go to support this mission of truth. This broadcast is 100% listener-supported, and so your support and generosity is much appreciated. Well, the spring feasts are coming upon us fairly quickly. As an example, we have Pesach. Passover, uh, which is should be right around March 28th um, at sundown, uh, followed quickly by the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Uh, so that's coming up quickly, but there is a uh, feast that's not a biblical command or a biblical festival, but is traditionally celebrated. Uh, that happens in February. In fact, it uh, should be February 26th, so two days from now, and it's called Purim. And I want to give you a little rundown of what Purim is real quickly, uh, and then we'll talk about how we're going to uh, uh, celebrate it, I guess. So I'm going to use a rude awakening just because they happen to have a great explanation of what it is how it's celebrated, and what it means. And so let me share that with you real quick. It says, Though Purim does not hold a stature of a command feast like Passover or Sukkot, it does have a significance for modern believers. Purim is the celebration of the victory over oppression thanks to Esther, an unlikely young woman whose name at birth was Hadassah, who would be given a royal opportunity to be queen and save her people. The Jews, from a genocidal plan devised by one of the king's advisors, Haman, whose people had been defeated by King Saul and King David. In order to thwart that plan, Esther had to risk her own life by approaching the king uninvited, an action that can be punishable by death. For her bravery, the king granted Esther anything she wanted. Esther requested that she and her people would be spared from genocide. Up to this point, the king was unaware that Esther, his beloved queen, was a Jew. Through a series of events that followed, Haman's evil plan backfired and he was executed instead of the Jews. And so, like you might imagine, Purim is celebrated in this way. Though celebrations of Purim vary widely, it is generally a light-hearted and family-focused celebration during which it is traditional to read the story of Esther and feast together with other believers in celebration of the Almighty's provision in the face of tyranny. We're going to talk about what that means for us today here in just a second. So, as you imagined, we're going to begin the book of Esther today. We're going to try to read four chapters, uh, which means I'm not going to be able to stop and do a lot of commentary because uh, we don't have a lot of time. Uh, but I'm going to read the first four today and then get you the next four, hopefully tomorrow or Friday. Um, I believe there's actually nine chapters, so I'll do four today and we'll have to do five another day. Uh, but that's what we're going to do uh, to celebrate Purim. Now, what does it mean? Let me read this part to you. What does it mean for us, rather? The story of Purim illustrates the perils and provisions of the king's bride. Esther's story serves as an analogy of the bride of Messiah living under the death sentence of Babylon at the end of the age. This is why I wanted to read from this site, because I just thought that this 
just beautifully demonstrates the reality of our situation right now. Let me read that first little part again. The story of Pura illustrates the perils and provisions of the king's bride. Esther's story serves as an analogy of the bride of Messiah living under the death sentence of Babylon at the end of the end of the age. Like the king's bride, Esther, the bride of Messiah, the true servants and disciples of Yeshua, will realize that they were born for such a time as this. The same words spoken over Esther regarding her opportunity as the king's bride, a position in which she is able to save her people from a secret plan of genocide. Make no mistake, we are currently living under the death sentence of Babylon. We are currently living under the tyranny of Babylon, and you see the beast growing as it's coming out of the sea, so to speak, as we watch the world descend into chaos. We are the bride. We are to intercede to go to the king, right? That's what Esther does. She goes to the king, presents herself to the king, and as we're going to see in the story, she doesn't just do this willy-nilly or casually. She prepares before she goes before the king with fasting and prayer. All an analogy of how we are supposed to be behaving in these strange times that we find ourselves living in. Interesting thing about the book of Esther is from what I know and what I believe to be true, I don't believe the name of God is anywhere in this book. Strangely enough. It was also one of those books that had a little resistance about being included as part of the canon. And anytime there's a book with that, that had some resistance, I don't know about you, but I want to study it and find out what's in it. Because anytime these books are rejected, it's usually because of an agenda to hide something. Anyway, that is the setup of what Purim is and what it means for us today and how it's to be celebrated. Therefore, let us begin. I'm going to read, again, not much commentary for the sake of time. I'm going to read the first four chapters here from the book of Esther. We're going to use the King James Version. Without further delay, let's begin. Now it came to pass in the days of Hasirius. This is Hasirius, which reigned from India even unto Ethiopia, over a hundred and seven and twenty provinces. That in those days when the king Ahasuerus, I'm struggling with his name a little bit, Ahasuerus sat on the throne of the kingdom, which was in Shushan, the palace. In the third year of his reign, he made a feast unto all the princes and his servants, the power of Persia and Media, the nobles and princes of the provinces being before him. When he showed the riches of his glorious kingdom and honored of his excellent majesty many days, even a hundred and fourscore days, and when these days were expired, the king made a feast unto all the people that were present in Shushan, the palace, both unto great and to small seven days, in the court of the garden of the king's palace, where were white, green, and blue hangings fastened with cords of fine linen and purple and silver rings and pillars of marble. The beds were of gold and silver upon pavement and red and blue and white and black and marble. And they gave them drink and vessels of gold, the vessels of being diverse one from another, and the royal wine in abundance according to the state of the king. 
and the drinking was according to the law, none did compel. For so the king had appointed to all the officers of his house that they should do according to every man's pleasure. Also, Vashati, the, king, the queen, made a feast for the women in the royal house, which belonged to King Ahasuerus. On the seventh day, when the heart of the king was merry with wine, he commanded Mehuman, Bistha, Harbona, Bigtha, and Abakatha, Zethar, and Carcas, the seven chamberlains that served in the presence of Ahasuerus the king, to bring Vishanti the queen before the king with the crown royal, to show the people and the princes her beauty, for she was fair to look on. But the queen, Vishati, refused to come to the king's commandment by his chamberlains. Therefore was the king very wroth, and his anger burned within him. The king said to the wise men, which knew the times, for so was the king's manner toward all that knew law and judgment. And the next unto him was Karshina, Shethar, Admatha, Tarshius, Morez, Marcina, and Minkanen the servants of princes of Persia and Media, which saw the king's face, and which sat at the first in the kingdom. What shall we do unto the queen Vashanti, according to the law? Because she hath not performed the commandment of the king Ahasuerus by the chamberlains. And Minicum answered before the king and the princes, Vashanti the queen hath not done wrong to the king only, but also to all the princes and to all the people that are in the provinces of King Asharis. For this deed of the queen shall come abroad unto all women, so that they shall despise their husbands in their eyes. When they shall be reported, the king Hasasuerus commanded Vishanti the queen to be brought in before him, but she came not. Likewise shall the ladies of Persia and Media say to this day unto all the king's princes which have heard of the deed of the queen, Thus shall there arise too much contempt and wrath. If it please the king, let there go a royal commandment from him, and let it be written among the laws of the Persians and Medes, that it not be altered, that Fashanti come no more before the king Ahasuerus. And let the king give her royal estate unto another that is better than she. And when the king's decree which he shall make shall be published throughout all the empire, for it is great, all the wives shall give to their husbands honor, both great and small. And the saying pleased the king and the princes, and the king did according to the word of Minikin. For he sent letters into all the king's provinces, unto every province according to the writing thereof, and to every people after their language, that every man should bear rule in his own house and that it should be published according to the language of every people. All right, so that's the first chapter. Basically, he's having a festival for seven days. He wants his wife, his beautiful queen, to come out so that all the uh, chamberlains, as, as it's said here in the King James, can have a look at her because she's beautiful. He wants to show off his wife. She refuses. This angers him. 
He asks for counsel from these guys, and they're like, look, not only is this offensive to you, but it's offensive to us as well. And what's going to happen is our wives and wives all over the kingdom are going to hear about the disobedience of the king's wife, and then they're going to start disrespecting and disobeying their husbands. So what you need to do is cast her aside. She's no longer allowed to be before you. Replace her as queen and send out a decree that every man is to be basically the ruler of his house, which he does. And that kind of sets the stage for how Esther will become queen. So let's go ahead and read chapter 2. And these things, when the wrath of King Ahasuerus was appeased, he remembered Vishanti and what she had done and what was decreed against her. Then said king, the king's servants that ministered unto him, Let there be a fair young virgin sought for the king. And let the king appoint officers in all the provinces of his kingdom, that they may gather together all the fair young virgins unto Shushan the palace, to the house of the women, unto the custody of Heg, the king's chamberlain, keeper of the women, and let their things be purification be given them. And let the maiden which pleases the king be queen instead of Vishati. And the thing pleased the king, and he did so. Now Shushan the palace, there was a certain Jew whose name was Mordecai, the son of Yar, the son of Shimi, the son of Kish, a Benjamite, who had been carried away from Jerusalem with the captivity which had been carried away with Jokaniah, king of Judah, from whom, whom Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, had carried away. And he brought up Hadassah, this is Esther, his uncle's daughter, for she had neither father nor mother, and the maid was fair and beautiful, whom Mordecai, when her father and mother were dead, took for his own daughter. So it came to pass, when the king's commandment and his decree was heard, and when many maidens were gathered together unto Shushan the palace, to the custody of Haggai, that Esther was brought also unto the king's house, to the custody of Haggai, keeper of the women. And the maiden pleased him, and she obtained kindness of him, and he speedily gave her things for purification, with such things as belonged to her and seven maidens which were meet to be given her out of the king's house. And he preferred her and her maids unto the best place of the house of the women. Esther had not shown her people nor her kindred, for Mordecai had charged her that she should not show it. And Mordecai walked every day before the court of the women's house to know how Esther did and what should become of her. Now when every maid's turn was come to go in to King Ahasuerus, after that she had been twelve months, according to the manner of the women. For so were the days of her purifications accomplished, to wait six months with oil of myrrh, and six months with sweet odors, and other things for the purifying of the women. Then thus came every maiden unto the king, whatsoever she desired was given her to go with her out of the house of the women unto the king's house. And in the evening she went, and on the morrow she returned unto the second house of the women, to the custody of Shahagas, the king's chamberlain, which kept the concubines. She came in unto the king no more, except the king delighted in her, and that she were called by name. Now when the turn of Esther, the daughter of Abilahal, the uncle of Mordecai, 
who had taken her for his daughter, was come to go into the king, she required nothing but what Haggai the king's chamberlain, the keeper of women, appointed. And Esther obtained favor in the sight of all of them that looked upon her. So Esther was taken unto the king Ahasuerus, into his house royal in the tenth month, which is the month to Beth, in the seventh year of his reign. And the king loved Esther above all the women, and she obtained grace and favor in his sight more than all the virgins, so that he set a royal crown upon her head and made her queen instead of Ashanti. Then the king made a great feast unto all the princes and his servants, even Esther's feast. And he made a release to the provinces and gave gifts according to the stature of the king, according to the state of the king. And when the virgins were gathered together the second time, then Mordecai sat in the king's gate. Esther had not yet showed her kindred, nor her people, as Mordecai had charged her, for Esther did, Esther did the commandment of Mordecai, like as when she was brought up with him. In those days, while Mordecai sat in the king's gate, two of the king's chamberlains, Bigthan and Teresh, of those which kept the door were wroth, and sought to lay a hand on the king Ahasuerus. And a thing was known to Mordecai, who told it unto Esther the queen, and Esther certified the king thereof in Mordecai's name. And when inquisition was made of the matter, it was found out, therefore they were both hanged on a tree, and it was written in the book of the Chronicles before the king. Chapter 3 After these things did King Ahasuerus promote Haman, the son of Hamedatha, the Agite, and advanced him, and set his seat above all the princes that were with him. And all the king's servants that were in the king's gate bowed and reverenced Haman, for the king had so commanded concerning him, but Mordecai bowed not, nor did him reverence. The king's servant, which were in the king's gate, said unto Mordecai, Why transgressest thou the king's commandment? Now it came to pass, when they spake daily unto him, that he hearkened not unto them, that they told Haman to see whether Mordecai's matters would stand, for he had told them that he was a Jew. And when Haman saw that Mordecai bowed not, nor did him reverence, then was Haman full of wrath. And he thought scorn to lay hands on Mordecai alone, for they had showed him the people of Mordecai. Wherefore Haman sought to destroy all the Jews that were throughout the whole kingdom of Ahasuerus, even the people of Mordecai. In the first month, that is the month Nisan, in the twelfth year of the king Hasaras, they cast pure, that is, the lot before Haman, from the day to day, and from month to month, to the twelfth month, that is, the month Adir. By the way, quick note, you'll, you might have picked up on this, on this verse 6 here, or I'm sorry, verse 7, it says in this first month, that is, the month of Nisan, the twelfth year of the king Hasaras, they cast Pure, that is the lot. That's where we get Purim, right? All right, verse 8. And Haman said unto King Ahasuerus, There is a certain people scattered abroad and dispersed among the people in all the provinces of thy kingdom, and their laws are diverse from all people. Neither keep they the king's laws, therefore it is not for the king's profit to suffer them. If it please the king, let it be written that they may be destroyed, and I will pay ten thousand talents of silver to the hands of those that have the charge of the business to bring it into the king's treasuries. 
And the king took his ring from his hand and gave it unto Haman, the son of Hamadatha, the Agagite, the Jew's enemy. And the king said unto Haman, The silver is given to, given to thee, the people also, to do with them as it seemeth good to thee. Then were the king's scribes called on the thirteenth day of the first month. And there it was written, according to all that Haman had commanded, unto the king's lieutenants, and to the governors that were over every province, and to the rulers of every people of every province, according to the writing thereof, to every people after their language, in the name of the king Ahasuerus, was, was it written and sealed with the king's ring. And the letters were sent by posts into all the king's provinces to destroy, to kill, and to cause to perish all Jews, both young and old, little children and women. And in one day, even upon the thirteenth day of the twelfth month, which is the month Adar, and to take the spoil of them for prey. The copy of the writing for a commandment to be given in every province was published unto all the people, that they should be ready against that day. The post went out, being hastened by the king's commandment, and the decree was given in Shushan, the palace. And the king and Haman sat down to drink, but the city Shushan was perplexed. Chapter 4 When Mordecai perceived all that was done, Mordecai rent his clothes and put on sackcloth with ashes and went out into the midst of the city and cried with a loud and bitter cry. And it came even before the king's gate, for none might enter into the king's gate clothed with sackcloth. And in every province, whithersoever the king command, king's commandment and his decree came, there was great mourning among the Jews, and fasting, and weeping, and wailing, and many lay in sackcloth and ashes. Please note that the response of the Jewish people at this time, which I think is different from the response that we're seeing from God's people today, is that they saw the danger, understood the severity of it, and immediately humbled themselves before God, immediately covered themselves in ashes and sackcloth, which was a way of showing God that you were willing to be uncomfortable, that you were willing to humble yourself before him, and that you were at his mercy. Something that seems to be lost on this last generation. So Esther's maids and her chamberlains came and told, her, told it her, then was the queen exceedingly grieved, and she sent raiment to clothe Mordecai, and to take away his sackcloth from him, but he received it not. Then called Esther for Hatak, one of the king's chamberlains, whom he had appointed to attend upon her, and gave him a commandment to Mordecai to know what it was and why it was. So Esther at this point still doesn't even know what's going on. She has no idea why Mordecai is mourning and, and has covered himself with sackcloth. Verse 6, So Hatak went forth to Mordecai into the street of the city, which was before the king's gate. And Mordecai told him of all that what had happened unto him, and the sum of the money that Haman had promised to pay to the king's treasury for the Jews to destroy them. Also he gave them a copy of the writing of the decree that was given at Shushan to destroy them, to show it unto Esther, and to declare it unto her, to charge her that she should go in unto the king to make supplication unto him, and to make a request before him for her people. And Hattach came and told Esther the words of Mordecai. Again Esther spake unto Hattach, and gave him a commandment unto Mordecai. 
All the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces do know that whosoever, whether man or woman, shall come into the king, into the inner court, who is not called, there is one law of his to put him to death, except such to whom the king shall hold out the golden scepter, that he may live. But I have not been called to come into the king these thirty days. So Mordecai is saying, Esther, you have to do something. You have to talk to the, to the king. And she says, look, I can't. There's a law that the only way you're allowed to, be co to come before the king in his courts is if you are invited. If you come unannounced, you can be put to death. Right? That's her concern. Verse 12. And they told Mordecai Esther's words. Then Mordecai commanded to, es to answer Esther, Think not with thyself that thou shalt escape in the king's house more than all the Jews. For if thou altogether holdest thy peace at this time, then shall their enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place, but thou and thy father's house shall be destroyed, and who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Then Esther bade them, Return to Mordecai this answer, Go, gather together all the Jews that are present in Shushan, and fast ye for me, and neither eat nor drink three days, night or day. And I also and my maidens will fast likewise, and I will go in unto the king, which is not according to the law, and if I perish, I perish. So Mordecai went his way and did according to all that Esther had commanded him. And that is the end of chapter 4, and that's where we're going to stop for today. And like I said, we'll try to finish this either tomorrow or Friday. But I want to point out this last part. We all know the famous part, right? Who knows if you have come, right? Who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this? Notice that before that part, he says, look, don't think that you're going to fly under the radar. Right? Don't think that you can just be quiet and kind of keep to yourself and somehow you're going to avoid all the problems that's coming upon your people. Let it be a word to all of us. Don't think that you're just going to fly under the radar and that if you just be quiet and who cares, that's not how it's going to play out. And he's reminding Esther of that. Look, you are, whether you like it or not, part of this. And God has raised you for such a time. You exist in this moment for this purpose. Some of us may be tempted to say, why did I have to be born in this generation, right? I know I've been tempted to think that. Why did I have to be born in this generation? Why do I have to watch one of the greatest countries crumble, fall apart, go into complete and utter perversion and wickedness? Why do I have to live in the time when all that, you know? Many have said this over the generations. You are in this time, and it's not by accident. It was pre-planned before the foundations of the earth that you would exist right now, at this time, at this moment, for a purpose And who knows, maybe it was for such a time as this. God has a plan for you. He is 
created good works for you to walk in in advance of you being born. So let's not be tempted to have that thought. Let's not be tempted to think, why? Why me at this time? Why couldn't I have been born at this time or in this generation? Because God appointed you for this one. And he has things for you to do and a role for you to play. And as we see things getting worse, we need to be more humble. We need to come to God in humility and intercede. You see, this is what Esther does. She humbles herself and makes everyone around her fast for three days, tells Mordecai to fast for three days. She prepares her, and then she presents herself to the king and intercedes for her people. Do you see the obvious here? Maybe we need to fast, pray, prepare, and then present ourselves before the great king, the king of kings, and intercede on behalf of our, of our people. Think about that this week. And ask yourself the question, is God asking me to do that? To intercede with great humility, with mourning, with praying and fasting? I pray that you've been blessed this morning. We're going to, like I said, we're going to get this finished in the next couple of days. And uh, hopefully now you know a little bit more about Purim. Maybe you know something you didn't know. And uh, hopefully it's spoken to your heart this morning. Please consider supporting this work, this mission of truth, by going to scriptureandprophecy.com, clicking on the support tab at the top. Your generosity is much appreciated. And as well as your prayers. If you can't support, maybe you can pray. I would appreciate that as well. Thank you so much for listening. Peace and grace be with all of you. And until next time, God bless.